Effective time management has become so much harder under lockdown because the boundary between our work and home lives is now so blurred. Many days feel like back-to-back Zoom marathons, at the end of which we're emotionally and physically drained. We're all doing more hours than we should be, and making progress on key projects feels like wading through treacle. Managing your time better can give you the headspace to refocus and advance important initiatives. Hello, and welcome to Boosting Performance. This is the podcast to listen to if you want bite-sized practical tips on how to improve your performance in the workplace. I'm Alastair Cole. And I'm Kieran Gill. We founded the Uplift Partnership to help organizations thrive by boosting their sales performance. To subscribe to this podcast, head over to our website, boostingperformancepodcast.com. In this debut series, we tackle eight of the biggest current workplace challenges. Today's topic is managing your time. Time is your most precious commodity, and understanding how to optimize it can bring you a greater sense of control and achievement in your life. Alistair, can you tell us a time where you have managed your time either really well or maybe even poorly? One of the darkest moments of my career came about 11, 12 years ago. It was 2009. I was working for Golly Slater in central London and we had been invited to pitch for the Arts Council England. My boss at the time, John Kinder, I think John was going to be away on holiday on on the actual pitch day. He was he was around right up to the last minute and he he asked me um, to deputise for him and oversee the kind of final delivery of the pitch and and leading on the day leading the team on the day and everything was going kind of swimmingly up until uh, John left for his holiday and my control and my time management of the final few days of the pitch wasn't as good as it should have been I wasn't strong enough in terms of saying no to people wanting to add extra things in I wasn't strong enough in terms of managing the those last few days in terms of what needed to be done, wrapped up and finished. And the result of that was that we were hurried, hurried on the last day, rushed out of the door, doing things too quickly, and we made mistakes. And the biggest mistake we made was turning up at the wrong venue. (laughs) We turned up at the wrong Arts Council England office, Uh, that was just around the corner from our office and we were supposed to be at their office 25 minutes away in the cab. When I hopped out of the taxi at the first venue and was told by the receptionist that no, we were at the wrong place, obviously a a fairly horrible feeling started to develop in my stomach. We hopped back in the taxi. I rapidly phoned the clients, told them we were going to be running very late. Uh, We pitched up 20, 25 minutes late and Unsurprisingly, that set off a domino effect of poor delivery. People were rushed. They didn't have enough time. We all were sweaty and felt awful. And unsurprisingly, we we didn't win it. And it really all came down to the management of the time for that team in the days, in the last couple of days leading up to that pitch. And um, yeah, I can safely say that wasn't my finest hour leading 
new business and uh, I've learned a lot since then. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. <clears throat> Sorry, go on. No, no, thanks for sharing. I think that's yeah, a great story. If, I, if I'd known that story prior to starting a business with you, I might have thought twice. Um, you know. <laughs> so was this your first rodeo in the sense of leading a team? No, it wasn't the first time I led a pitch and absolutely wasn't the last. What was different about it was I think it was just last minute with the individuals and the process and we'd not given ourselves enough time to relax and and build in any any buffer and why did this happen now looking back at it in hindsight i'd say it happened because it was a failure of time management right at the end of the process so a lot of the earlier key steps had been had been done they'd been done well and things were moving well but what happens as you get near the finish line is that uh, other agents start to arrive, other people start to challenge, and often people want to tweak and change. I think the learning is that one has to be strong when you get into that last mile of a of a process like that, and you have to keep at bay those that want to add in additional things or make changes because what can happen is that you take your eye off the ball at the, right at the end, and that's the time when everything should be done and dusted, sealed, and you should be taking the time to relax, calm down and um, be ready to pitch as a team. And that's something that I learned and built into, into future processes. But at the time, we didn't observe that and it all came to a head. Did you use a framework? Yes, absolutely. We had a very clear, defined agency pitch process, you know, new business winning new clients pitching is a is is a it's the lifeblood of any any agency creative or otherwise and you know once a new brief arrives it's it's very high potential to deliver income and boost in morale and a pr boost so yeah everything was um well defined and we followed the process for probably you know 95% of that journey and most of those stages went smoothly as anticipated and then it was right at the end and that was the result of the managing director handing over the reins to me, somebody slightly more junior, slightly less experienced. And in hindsight, it was harder for me to say no to some of the other senior members of the team. And that led to time being uh, frittered away uh, right at the end when we should have been um, relaxing. Remote working is taking the toll on all of us. Lockdown is tough. We're now working longer hours as a result of it. Some of us are finding it difficult with work-home separation. We're starting work earlier and finishing later. And due to the lack of social contact with colleagues, we find ourselves in non-stop video meetings without breaks. Much of the rest of the time is spent writing and responding to emails. According to McKinsey, we spend a third of our working week on emails. All of this is having an effect on our productivity. And for many of us, we feel like we're running on empty, bordering on burnout. Our energy levels ebb and flow while we're awake. In the same way, we move between deep and light sleep at night. During the day, our bodies operate on 90-minute cycles of high to low alertness. After an hour and a half of intense work, we should really stop and rest, but we don't. 
We tend to draw on our own energy reserves and use caffeine to refuel so we can maintain the same level of intensity, both of which put extra stresses on our bodies. Another major problem is distraction. We are responsible for our own lack of productivity due to our addiction for information. Our dopamine neurons in our brain treat information as a reward, meaning that we're naturally distracted by information outside our primary objectives. Whether it's notifications from our computers or mobile phones, we're naturally gravitated to gaining information. Similar to distraction is our ability to procrastinate. Research suggests that procrastination comes in three different ways and is present in everyone. Arousal procrastination is when you get a rush from waiting until the last second to do a task. Avoidance procrastination is when you don't wish to face a task that is undesirable. Indecisive procrastination is when you don't know where to start with a task. Most people have some combination of all three, and it's very easy to fall into this trap. Managing your time better will make you more productive. You'll be able to deliver work on time and at a higher standard. Being more efficient will save you time that can be used to advance faster towards important goals, which will unlock new opportunities and career growth. And your quality of life will improve. You'll feel less stressed and anxious and have more time for leisure and recreation, which is particularly important right now, given how challenging it is being forced to work from home. Here are three things you can do starting today. One, make time. Two, prioritize and focus. And three, use a framework. One, make time. How often have you got to the end of the day and felt that you've achieved nothing except for back-to-back -back meetings and that your to-do list is just getting longer? Well, it's time to take control. Firstly, you need to be conscious that your most productive working time is limited and to treat your calendar as the most valuable thing that you own. Secondly, you need to be mindful that you have different points in the day when you are more productive. We all have a good idea when we feel our most productive. For some of us, it's earlier in the day, or maybe it's later in the afternoon. This is the time when you feel you're most focused and motivated. This is your high performance time, and you should only be using this for your most valued tasks, things that are important for you to be successful. This could be prospecting or writing a proposal. In the coming weeks, start increasing your time blocks at your most productive time by 30 minute chunks. And make sure that you communicate this time with your friends and colleagues so that they don't disturb you. You need to take control of your schedule for items that you find valuable. No one else is going to do this for you. Time is your most expensive commodity and your high productive time is priceless. So don't waste it, or even worse, give it away cheaply. Once you've ring-fenced time in your calendar to be more productive, there are two things you need to do. Prioritize what you're gonna do within that time slot and focus on one task until it's completely finished. To prioritize properly, rank your top five projects in order of strategic importance and pick the one at the top of the list. This is most likely to be one that has the potential to deliver larger and longer term benefits to your organization. If you're not sure about how to narrow down your choices, ask yourself, what is the key function of my role? And make a list of the most important tasks you're expected to do to be judged a success at your next performance review. Choosing to spend your time on projects that are strategically important rather than those that are simply urgent will help you achieve larger longer term goals. Next. 
Decide on the task that will make the biggest impact to this project in the time you have available. To focus, turn off all distractions. If you can step away from all digital devices and use paper and pencil, all the better. If you have to use a computer, close all windows and apps that you don't need right now. Turn off all notifications. Alerts from your inbox and other messaging apps are designed to distract you, and they're very successful at dragging you into other tasks. Shut down your phone and turn on airplane mode. And consider putting on some music to help you concentrate. Choose one thing and one thing only and work on it until it's completely finished. Our brains aren't wired very well to multitask. People who think they're multitasking are really just switching from one task to another very rapidly. And every time we switch tasks, there's a cognitive cost, which reduces your IQ temporarily. Keep going on your most important task until it's completely done. Leave the administrative jobs and other low-priority things until another time, ideally later in the working day. So, carve out dedicated time to be productive. Prioritise what you're going to do with that slot and focus exclusively on one task until it's totally finished. The more you prioritise and focus, the more productive you'll be. Three, use a framework. Now that you have control of your calendar and you've prioritised all your value tasks, it's time to supercharge your productivity by using a tried and tested time management framework. Much like using templates and checklists, frameworks can help maximize the time you set aside for important tasks. There are many techniques that you can use, and one of the most widely used is Pomodoro, and my personal choice. The Pomodoro technique is a time management method developed by Francesco Carello in the late 1980s. Pomodoro is the Italian word for tomato and he named this after a kitchen timer that he owned that was in the shape of a tomato. This involves the use of 25-minute periods of work followed by a 5-minute break. Once you've completed four, you can take a longer break for 30 minutes. You can use a paper and pen to mark off how many you've done, or you can use software if you prefer. It doesn't necessarily have to be Pomodoro that you use. There are a multitude of systematic time management methods, such as the Eisenhower method. Experiment with other time management methods and find the one that works for you. The crucial thing is that it provides you a systematic way to approach time management that provides you time to rest, but more importantly, encourages you to maximize the time you spend. So to recap, three ways you can start managing your time better today are one, make time, two, prioritize and focus, three, use a framework. Some of you sent in comments and questions from the last episode, so let's hear them. Hello, this is Catherine. I'm struggling to make any progress on my two biggest projects because I feel like I spend all day on video calls. How can I make time to get these back on track? I'd be very grateful for your suggestions. Thanks very much. Catherine, thanks for your question. At times, it can feel like our work diaries are suffocating us, but your calendar can also be a shield to protect your working day and mental health. Try blocking out dedicated time for yourself. Maybe a minimum of two hours, and within that, use a technique like Pomodoro to split up the block. If your diary is completely jammed, you might need to book that slot a little bit in the future. But once it's in the diary, you can protect it and then use that time to really drive things forward. If you can find a slot that's recurring, that would be fantastic. For example, Tuesday mornings always set aside for strategic thinking. And once you've booked that time for yourself, you've got to be strong about defending it. 
other people may send you invites for meetings and catch-ups at that time. But you don't have to accept them. It's really important that you look after your own diary and manage your own time just as much as it is helping and collaborating with others. Instead of simply saying no, propose an alternative day and time that does work for you. And as you get used to booking dedicated time for yourself and protecting it and then using it to progress important projects, you're going to feel more empowered and more in control of your own time. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you picked up some bite-sized practical tips for managing your time. If you liked this episode, please give us a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice so more people can find us. Our next episode is goal setting, an action that is fundamental to our personal and professional success and becoming the person we want to be. If you've got a question about goal setting or any feedback on this show, leave us a voice message by using the link in the episode description. Or you can get in touch with us via our website at boostingperformancepodcast.com, which is where you'll find today's show notes for all today's tips and references. And where you can subscribe to the podcast or sign up for our weekly newsletter. Talk to you next time.